the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investment, more. One of my favorite comedians was a guy named Robin Harris who died. And I bring that up in large part because he had a funny HBO show, which one night uh, comedy hour or whatever HBO used to do back in the 90s. I remember watching it and he, he did part of his skit was on Bebe's kids and basically being a single mother and a guy goes on a date with a woman who's got like five or six rambunctious, terrible awful kids who get into tons of trouble, right? Um, but his, his follow-up skit was about, you know, if, if you made him governor, he would, you know, he would clear out death row pretty quickly. He'd, like, put two people in the chair at the same time. Um, and he's like, next, bring him in, next, bring him in. It was a funny skit. It doesn't translate terribly well. But I brought it up because he had no patience as a comic, for what he saw in society of people misbehaving. And I get it. It's, it's funny to talk about putting people in electric chairs when they, you know, jaywalk or something. I get it. But that also brings me up to the, my point of, you know, one of the things that I find deplorable are people who rip off senior citizens. And that, my friend, is a big time on the rise right now. Um, and what I can only refer to as you gotta be a pretty horrible person to rip off a senior citizen. So try to help your parents as they get older, not get scammed financially. One of the things you could actually do to them is talk to your parents. Um, it got out of hand with my mom. My dad died 25 years ago and she basically became a shut in. She never had a lot of friends. My father was her friend, and that's really all she really needed. So when he passed, she kind of decided, ah, I'm not going to move on. I'm just going to mourn him a little bit. Don't know what to do. She had sexual relationships with one man in her life, and that was him. Um, I don't know if I could say the same thing for him about her. Don't even know if I want to think that, but let's just say that um, she became kind of a shut-in. Very, very susceptible to fraud. Uh, because as her kids grow, you know, it's it's a job that you're never ready for when you have kids. And it's a job you're not willing to let go of, letting the kids leave. One of my neighbors, uh, their second kid just went to college. And I'm, I'm worried about them. Um, long story short, help your parents if you can. Talk to them and say, hey, you know, what's going on, mom and dad? And if you ever get a chance to, like, see a bank statement, take a look at it. Because uh, when we looked at my mom's bank statements uh, five years ago before we put her in an old folks' home, um, there was fraud there. 
there were people who were like, um, oh, here was the, here was the one. Someone got in touch with her and sold her a life insurance policy. Now, I have a question for you. What does an 80-year-old woman need with life insurance? Well, Robert, I got that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone called and said, for one time, I can get a million dollars of life insurance. And I'm going to give it to Susie, your little sister. I'm like, Mom, they've been charging you monthly $25 or $30 for like four years. And Susie doesn't really need life insurance. Um, she's got a husband. They have good jobs. They've saved a lot of money, Mom. They, they don't really need life insurance. You're getting ripped off, Mom. And, and like, they sold you a life insurance policy over the phone? Yeah, yeah, they sold me a life insurance over the phone. And I'm just telling you, you got to look at your parents' bank statements. One of the more interesting stories in the news today, Denmark has introduced a negative interest rate on a mortgage. Home buyers in Denmark effectively are being paid to take out 10-year mortgages. Makes me want to jump on a plane and, and fly to Denmark and watch, 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 watch. Um, what's the capital of Denmark? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Is it Copenhagen? I, I, I don't know. That shows you like how long I've been out of high school. Denmark's third largest lender announced a negative interest rate on a mortgage before fees. Negative half of 1%. How is that? And on a 30-year mortgage, mortgage, you can get a mortgage of one half of 1%. And if you don't want to take out a 15-year, which is negative, you can take out a 20-year, which is at zero. So world banks, i.e. banks from around the world, have lowered interest rates trying to stimulate their economies to the point that Denmark is offering a negative interest rate on a mortgage. Blew my mind. Right now, a 30-year mortgage in the United States is probably 3536. And that's lowest since November 2016, and it's pretty low. So when interest rates get lower, we take on more debt, which is kind of a negative thing in the long term, but it's also a positive because in theory it's a good debt. Mortgage bankers are going bonkers right now trying to keep up with refinancing. But in France, ooh la la, France, the mortgage rate is 1.39%. Another reason to hate the French. German mortgage rates have hit historic lows. You can get a 10-year mortgage in Germany from Hans and Franz Mortgage Company. We'll, we'll pump you up. <laughs> Let's go work out after we get to this mortgage, sissy boy. Their mortgage rates in Germany under 1%, as low as half a 1% if you get competitive about it. And then you see the United States, 3.5%. It's like, woohoo! Um, I don't know what that tells you. It tells you that dollars, you literally lose money by giving banks money. They're literally losing money in Denmark by giving you. 300,000 or 400, I don't know how much a house costs in Denmark. And I figure they're all built next to dams and little boy has his thumb in the, the dike and he's keeping it safe for you. So I don't know how much houses are, but they lose money. Banks lose money, half of 1%. That, it almost makes no sense. 
that does not even make sense, right? Are you with me against me? So I was talking to my producer during one of the breaks today, and we talked about housing because in the last hour, I talked about a Googler who's leaving San Francisco to go to Austin, and he just he basically says, no one is going to miss me, and, and everyone understands why I'm leaving. My friends do. Uh, he's got enough money probably to retire from working at Google for 10-plus years. That's my guess. But my, my producer said, what, what's going to happen to you know, housing? The average house now takes almost $400,000 to get into in the Bay Area. And that's just for a million-dollar house because you could get two and a half times your income in theory. But he said, what happens when there's a recession? I'm like, well, fewer, there's affordability is going to go down even worse than it is now. But I started writing down some of the things that have hit housing in the last 10 years or so. In the early 90s, recession, the early 90s had a big recession after the 1980s boom. Affordability became unaffordable. And then 1996 recovery to peak of the dot-com boom, everything became affordable again. And then it became unaffordable when the dot-com bubble popped. And then it became affordable again when loan standards degenerated. It's interesting watching the ping-pong back and forth. Find me online at relaxshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. One of the things I regularly say is don't be afraid to call the show. A lot of people are afraid that I'm going to say something mean. Because I do believe in tough love, I probably will say something mean. But I'll be the only person to tell you the truth, maybe, that stops you from losing a lot of money. I'm okay with that. And as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more politically correct in being mean. Or not being mean. You know what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is... I had one of the dumbest questions ever, and I get these on a regular basis. Someone asked me at an event recently, I want to invest in real estate in Iraq. What do you, what do you think? So let me repeat this. He wants to invest in real estate in Iraq. 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 Thank you, Phil. That's kind of what I wanted to say, but my filter wasn't on. I said, you're not that stupid, are you? And he looked at me as if I had just said, I'm going to take a big style, big pile of steam and poop and put it in your mom's mouth. <laughs> he looked at me like, what? Did you just insult me? And I did. I'm like, you're not that stupid, are you? And I said, if you want to do it, if you want to do it, do it. I'm all for people losing money. I don't want you to, but people are stupid. So start thinking about buying real estate in Iraq first and foremost. Let's call your let's call your insurance company. Hey Geico, can I get property insur- insurance in Iraq? And they're going to go. <laughs> and then they're going to tell everyone else in the call center, and they're all going to start laughing. So you're not going to get like, okay, let's skip that idea and let's go with stable government first and foremost, right? 
Let's how about a, a country that doesn't hate Americans? How about a country that has had no American beheadings ever? Like these are the, the, the countries that I want to invest in. Are you with me or against me? And I'll, I'll give you another example. After the Iraq War, people wanted to buy the Iraqi dinar. You you you're up late at night. You're watching late night television, and. You're half asleep, and you're like, Steve Harvey, he's funny, but those are some big teeth. Oh, and you wake back up, and Steve Harvey's, like, crying. He's gone to Ghana, and he's seen a slave castle, and he's crying because maybe one of his relatives, 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 relatives came from this slave castle. And I, I don't understand slave castles, and I'd probably cry at a slave castle. I remember going to Dachau in Germany. And seeing a prison camp, and I had never seen one. I'm not Jewish, and it doesn't have, like, terrible, a lot of meaning to me, other than the World War II was kind of fascinating history growing up as a kid. You know, we look back, and we, I can't believe World War II happened in, you know, less than 100 years ago, and yet it did. And when I was a wee little baby, I can't believe that, you know, it happened 30 or 40 years ago. And yet it did. So the thing that surprised me when I went to Tikal, first and foremost, it was a prison camp. and It was one of the worst. Um, there was a really, really big pile of shoes on the outside of the prison camp. And they do tours. And in and of itself, that's pretty weird, huh? But what was even creepier, I was seeing people taking selfies and smiling in front of gas chambers and piles of shoes. And I'm like, whoa. So that brings me back to there is no level of stupid that I, 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 I can't believe what I see. People want to own the Iraqi dinar as a currency because they're in the middle of the night watching Steve Harvey and there's an infomercial that comes on. Do you want to get... If the Iraqi dinar stabilizes, a small $200 investment could end up being worth $2 million. And you're like, I, 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 I could scrape together $200. I, I, I want to be worth $2 million. Um, they don't have banks there. They're starting to get banks again. They don't have a stable currency. They don't have a stable commerce. Business is done in dollars, not dinars. So I bring this up because every couple of years, there's something like that that goes around where people are just that stupid. Um, and sometimes you need tough love. This guy wanted to buy real estate in Iraq. Talking about being a, a slumlord. Like, you're going to be uh, up in the middle of the night. They're going to be upset, and I'm not going to do a Middle Eastern accent, but imagine this as a Middle Eastern accent. My pipes are broken. And you go, uh, call a plumber. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm halfway around the world. You don't want to own. I mean, maybe you want to buy a, a, a palace in Iraq. I don't know. Maybe you want to go live on the Tigris River or whatever it is over there. Is it the Tigris? By the way, when I was talking about Denmark having negative interest rates. I threw out the capital as Copenhagen, and I was right. I'm surprised by that. It doesn't sound right in my head, but I was right. I know you're saying. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was right. Um, long story short, fascinating um, segment 
on Netflix. It's a documentary on the prices, right? There was this one guy who studied the prices of like a mana refrigerators because he saw that every couple of days they'd bring out a refrigerator and it's always an Amana and that they would have a deal with like Ford fusions or something. And he'd study the prices of Ford fusions with different, and then prices right started getting smart and and putting in different options and different paint packages and different radios and stuff. This guy was freakish. He figured out a very simple, he broke a code that was incredibly simple and he'd, he'd yell out like, within a dollar sometimes what the price was to other contestants. And when he got on, he did very, very, very well to the point that they had to change the rules around him. But anyway, I digress. Don't buy real estate in Iraq. And I tend to say, if you can't afford it here, it's a bad idea. And if you find yourself making up new rules, like, well, I'm going to get three renters here in one apartment. It's probably not a good idea. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. In the world of famous bands, there's the Jonas Brothers, all brothers. There's the, the Bebop people, all brothers. I don't remember their names. Mbop. It's going to come to me at some point. There's these people. I'm not allowed to call them chicks without instant HR. But I am pop band out of Los Angeles, and it features all sisters. I think their next album's going to be a big one. I know you're saying, why do you think it's going to be a big one? They're working with Mark Ronson. And Mark Ronson is a producer who anything he touches turns to gold. So sometimes it's not necessarily the people in front. It's the people behind who kind of make the money, in my opinion. And um, for the record, I, I enjoy Haim. Uh, very, very much so. So it's actually an album that I bought just because I wanted to support them. Um, you know, I could stream music, no problem. I know how to stream. I'm kind of a big deal, but I kind of wanted to support them. And it's really weird. I'm not a big GoFundMe guy. I'm not that guy. Um, I don't like funding. Hey, I've, you know, if I, my soccer coach's son broke his ankle and it's going to be $30,000. I'm like, Meh. you should add insurance kind of thing. Um, I have compassion. It's just tough to find at times. Um, I think I have a lot of empathy where I help a lot of people. I'm very, very proud of the job that I do on radio, trying to drag people kicking and screaming into retirement. And I do want to talk about history and and teach you things like housing prices, um, the affordability levels, and how they spike and become super affordable, and then they fall apart and become super unaffordable. And looking at a chart of housing affordability since 1990, so you can go back 10, 20, 30 years when the dot-com bubble burst in 2000, 2001, 2002, it became very unaffordable to buy a home. And then Congress, in their great wisdom, said, 
We congressmen think that all people should get mortgages, and therefore Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to turn a blind eye to people who don't deserve it, and they're going to get a mortgage because everyone deserves in real estate going up. And guess what? Those are the people that got hurt the most. When following 2000, 2001, 2002, when houses became less affordable because unemployment started going up, free money stopped flowing, that's when we said, why don't we come up with subprime loans? Now, if you were to eat a steak, you want prime AA steak, right? You want whatever the best rating is. And which, for the record, Safeway used to have a, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to have a cut of meat called Rancher's Reserve. And do you know what Rancher's Reserve is? Is it a grade of stock? Is it a grade of meat? Is it marbling? Is it how fresh? It, it, it means nothing. It's a marketing term. Sorry, this cow may have actually not ever been able to walk, and we had to put it down because it had mad cow disease, but we're calling it Rancher's Reserve. <laughs> it's just a label. No disrespect to Safeway Meat. I'm just saying it's just marketing. Subprime, if you were to go into a, a butcher shop and say, I want a prime cut of beef, prime rib. No one says, I want subprime rib. I'm cool. Give me give me the mad cow. I'll th- slather some mayonnaise on it. I'll be okay. So subprime, we started giving loans to people who didn't deserve it. And that's when they all started blowing up. And that's interesting because that's when the lawyers stepped in and started marketing to people who had bought houses and lost houses. Um, that was the best time to buy a house when poor people were losing their house. And when I call them poor people, I'm not being mean. I'm saying they're subprime. Their credit's not good. Their income's not good. Something makes them less than ideal. So housing became super unaffordable in 2009, 2010, 2011, when there was a recession, the 2008, 2009 kind of recession. So it spiked in 2009, and it got worse in 10 and 11. And then the economy started getting better and became a little bit more affordable. At this point in time, we're starting to lose the affordability. It's starting to spike again. We've had seven years of recovery from 2012 to 2019. Um, but if you were to look back 30 years, there's been one peak, one bottom, two peaks, two bottoms, three peaks, three bottoms. Guess what's coming next as far as unaffordable? A peak. It's about to spike. Historically, it looks literally, if you could visualize a teeter-totter, affordable, not affordable, affordable, not affordable. It's kind of an up-down chart. So do I think it's going to happen again? I do. Do I know it's going to happen again? I don't. Um, If I knew that, I wouldn't be doing this show. I would be in business of selling crystal balls. I know you're saying, that sounds good. Um, Earlier in the show, I talked about early retirement and how it's not necessarily a good thing. I wanted to retire at 35 with a million dollars. I see articles all the time of people who retire at 30, 35 with two, three, four million dollars. And what I'm going to really push you into is before you retire, start thinking about retirement. For instance, and I could even give you a kind of an interesting one. Um, I've got a friend who in her early 30s got pregnant and took time off from work. So she was kind of retired from corporate America. 
for a while. And within a year or two years, she's like, I don't know what to do. Like, my identity's not as a mom. My identity says I need to go back to work at Visa or something. I, I, I need to go punch a clock somewhere. And that's not even real retirement. That's retiring from the workforce to be a mom, which is the most rewarding job ever I hear. So it's absurdly young to try to attach someone who's in their 30s to retirement, but we try to do it as a nation. My best advice is take some time off before you do it. Take a sabbatical if you can. Um, and if you're retiring in your 30s, you're probably retired before your parents did. Um, I don't know. Try to figure out your hobby. <laughs> I know it's kind of crazy to say, but you're going to need to do something in retirement other than just, you know, nothing. It won't work for you. I promise you. So you'll be bored out of your mind um, if you don't have a plan before you go into it. Dow's up today. Wall Street continues to rebound after the August sell-off that we've had. It's been a weird month. A lot of volatility, which is interesting because this is the time where there's typically not a lot of participation. Right before back to school, people are trying to get back to vacations, the last second of vacation possible time. And um, that's fair. You know, so volatility tends to pick up in August and September. There's slow times. Um, we got back to school, yeah, for sure, but summertime doldrums kind of linger, for sure. Um, elsewhere out there, Google, great Google to Moogleda. Google, thank you. Google's came public 15 years ago. Before that, they were a private company. I wish I had bought the IPO. I wish I had bought Google every year for the last 15 years. Um, Google's a strong company with a good balance sheet, lots of cash. They got more cash than Apple. How is that possible? Because Apple's giving it back to shareholders, whereas Google's kind of got this whole government regulation thing potentially out there. But in, in a very short term, 15 years, we, we're doing antitrust reviews on them. They came public 15 years ago. That's it. How did they become a concern for antitrust? It wasn't Google itself, because anyone, not anyone, but a lot of people could come up with an algorithm to search for things on the internet. I had a friend who was a male who came up with an algorithm to search for free triple X photos. And that kind of algorithm put magazines like Playboy out of business. So you can kind of see like, whoa. So a little search engine can put a business, so it can become anti-competitive, right? But take a look at other acquisitions that uh, Google has done. And I like them because they have almost no competition. They have a heavy link to advertising, which is kind of curious to me, coming into a potential recession. But DoubleClick, they bought in 2007 for $3.1 billion. It provides a lot of the technology behind core advertising, which is still about 90% of Google's business and revenue of $100 billion a year. They bought Waze, which was an Israeli startup for $1.1 billion, and they integrated it with Google Maps, and it predicts travel times and routes. Today, it has over 100 million monthly active users. 
Some argue that by owning both Waze and Google Maps, the company has too much control over mapping data. They own Nest. They bought Nest. Smart thermostat. Um, watchdogs at the FTC said, you know, you got to be worried about data privacy concerns. Google, uh, YouTube for $1.6 billion. They're pulling in revenues now off YouTube of $15 billion a year, and everyone's very vocalized about the concern that the video platform's grown too big to be properly controlled. They bought Android operating system. Do you see how an IPO got them cash and they started acquiring companies, and now they're considered a competition threat? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I do some television work. Not every day. Typically Monday through Thursday and not today. But if you go to kron.com, you can see me doing video work. Uh, They post a video every day. I do it at 9.15, so I do the radio show from 7 to 9 typically. Um, but yeah, you can go to cron.com and you know grab a video. Um, I post it on Facebook too, under Cron for Rob Black, under Cron Rob Black. And sometimes I post it on my fan page, which is I Hate Rob Black. I've got an adorable picture of me when I was a child that has me feeding a goat. I'm looking at it right now. It's in my office. And I must have been all six years old, maybe, maybe six and a half. And it's adorable. I've got blonde hair. I've got a striped shirt on. I've got uh, pants that would be considered stylish if you were blind. Um, Or maybe they'll blind you by just looking at them. But, long story short, um, I was going to put that on a t-shirt. That was going to be my fan club-like image. Because you can't hate that kid who's feeding a goat milk, right? And there's going to be people who hate me because I'm going to talk stocks. I've told this story numerous times, but there was a CEO named Scott McNeely who ran Sun Microsystems, and my producer's a young man. He's 25-ish, so he doesn't remember Sun Microsystems. That's before his time, when Sun Microsystems rose to power and flamed out. He was six, so he was probably doing what six-years-old were doing, like feeding goats. He wasn't thinking about Scott McNeely and Sun Microsystems. Now, Sun Microsystems was an amazing company. They really got into this high-end server market in the 90s, right during the start of the dot-com boom. Right place, right time, right product. And as a startup, Scott McNeely did a great job of growing the company. The downside was when a recession came, he didn't know what to do, in my opinion. So during that famous period of time, I said people would call into the radio show. I used to get 20 calls an hour. And I was going through them. I was looking at the financials with you. I was looking at the the, uh, analyst questions, uh, calls. I was doing everything I could for you. And for me, Scott McNeely, I said when, when people would call, and it was like a $30 stock, it was a $60 stock that became a $30 stock. Should I buy Sun Microsystems? I said, nah, when Scott McNeely resigns, when the, when we get a new CEO, and the $30 stock would become 15 and people would call, and I'd say, no, 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 wait wait for him to be fired. Wait for him to leave. $15 stock becomes a $10 stock, becomes a $6 stock. I'm like, wait, 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 wait till he gets, he gets fired. And I was pretty famous in the Bay Area. I, I was pretty popular because everyone wanted to make money on dot-com stocks. Everyone was listening to my show because I was the dot-com guy. 
Where does this go? I'll tell you where it goes. One day I'm sitting right next to Scott McNeely at a hockey game, and he knows exactly who I am because I've done TV. And his own employees have mocked him that Rob's going to buy the stock when it goes to zero. Guess where the stock went to? Zero. Guess. Guess how great of a time I had sitting next to him. It was awful. It's like I could hide behind a microphone, but when I actually have to sit next to someone, I'm a little bit ashamed about some of the things I say. But that's one of the things you get with the show is you, you kind of get unfiltered Rob. So hopefully you appreciate that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Um, stocks are rising today. Um, treasuries are dropping. Wilbur Ross is saying it's okay for American companies to do business with Huawei. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Will we get a deal with China? Will we not get a deal with China? Will we get a deal with China? Will we not? It's it's ridiculous. I was about to use the word retarded, but I can't say the word retarded because too many people associate it with mental retardation. I associate the word retarded with what it means, like flame retarded, tough to catch fire. Um, but if I say financially retarded, people are like, you're making fun of those little mental kids. I'm like, no, I'm not. But financially retarded, to me, is a term I want to patent and copyright because at some point in time, our country will be fine with it, but not yet. And um, it just seems our trade war is a little on the financially ridiculous side at this point in time. Anyhow, Apple's Tim Cook met with Donald Trump over the weekend. And a lot of people don't like that because Trump openly doesn't support gay rights. And Tim Cook is an openly gay man. So it seems like you're sitting with the enemy or you're sitting with hypocrites or something like that, right? But he talked to, to Trump, and this is what was reported over dinner, about the, the, the trade war and the levies and the tariffs. And he says to Mr. Trump, please don't do it because Samsung will be a big winner. Samsung makes their products in South Korea and they don't have to do tariffs. And if we do a 15 or 30, 25% tariff, we can't compete with them on price. It's kind of crazy, right? Because don't we all know that Apple's charges a lot of money for their phones? In the entire cell phone industry two years ago, Apple made all the money. All the money that was made was in Apple. Companies like Motorola, companies like Nokia, companies like Samsung would lose money year over year on hardware. They just wanted to stay in the game long enough. It's Again, it goes back to like Intel, AMD, and there was a company that you don't remember called Cyrix. And Cyrix was never able to make money. So they eventually folded into maybe AMD. AMD lost money, lost money, lost money, lost money, lost money, lost money. And then they finally got enough market share that they could make some money. It's interesting to note. Anyhow, and anyway, don't be stupid. Be patient. Be smart. Try to learn a little bit more about the markets. <clears throat> Try to write down some ideas so I can see some theory in your head. Don't just be, hey, I heard I could make money buying the Iraqi dinar. Ain't going to happen if you just heard about it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.